Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris, coming to you from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland, Oregon. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, for sponsoring part of this show. And you can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, he's back. My good friend, mentor, inspiration. I can give him all kinds of accolades. But all I have to say is, Graham is here, the Galloping Gourmet. There you go. How's that for an intro? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And, of course, when you add all those words together, it adds years onto, <laughs> onto both of us, yes. but me especially. So I'm grateful <laughs> to still be here. Yeah, thank you. Well, you started cooking on TV when you were eight, and I was watching when I was three. So there you go. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay. So, so Graham, we've got the holidays coming up, and this show is going to air right after Thanksgiving. But I, as we said when we talked about this, <clears throat> I wanted to talk about Christmas, and I wanted to talk about some of your favorite Christmas dishes and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of your favorite Christmas stories. So traditionally here in this country, we do – uh, you either do like turkey or you do a, a standing rib roast or prime rib. People call it that. And or maybe a ham. Um, and that's that's all great. That's all well and good. They're all terrific to serve and people enjoy them. But what are some of your uh, start with the main dish favorites for Christmas? Well, you know, you've you've mentioned several of them. I'm I'm a lamb guy when it comes to Christmas. Um, and having spent nine years of my life in New Zealand, where the lamb is probably yeah, arguably among some of the best in the world, especially on the west coast. The west coast of New Zealand is subject to pretty extreme um, winds that come in off the Tasman Sea between Australia and New Zealand. And that causes a great deal of misty um, fallout from the from the from the ocean onto the, especially in the South Island, and so you get grass which is permeated with salt water, um, so that the sheep that 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 graze on that is called presale, or or literally um, um, marinated from birth. Oh. Um, with a little with sea salt, and it's quite exceptional. And I, for years, was trying to get the um, New Zealand Meat Board to set this apart as a as a sort of prime, um, you know, source. And sure. They never would because they didn't want to compete with the rest of the country. <laughs> you know, but um, 
But so I would always roast a, a, a full leg of lamb and lamb is really small. So it's about a three and a half to four pound um, piece. Uh, <clears throat> and what we take as lamb in the United States is what they would refer to as hogget um, or two-tooth. In, in, um, it just means that the first two teeth grow on and that is heavier as a result of that and more, for some people, more flavorsome. Sure. But there you go. So that's what I would do. I'd mark it crisscross, diamond shape, you know, uh, letting a, a blade, a sharp blade run very, very lightly across the fell, the outside skin, mm -hmm. um, until it's got to about a sixteenth of an inch or, or less. And um, and then I would rub um, salt and pepper into that um, and then flour the whole thing and then dust the flour off. And then roast that and baste it with apple juice and orange juice. Both of those would be unsweetened. And you can get that in can form, you know, the, sure. the, in, in, anywhere. And I, I got to tell you that whether you're actually going to do, when you roast, you, you get a natural um, uh, softening of the fat and the fat goes into the dish, um, into the roasting pan with the residues of, of the blood from the meat as well. And that cooks off. Some and that's what gives us this great gravy base. But in my case, because, you know, I was caring for my beloved Trina, my wife Trina, for years with a very high cholesterol that was very sensitive to um, saturated fats. Sure. So for me, I would drain that off into a fat strainer um, where, you know, there would be a, a hole at the bottom of a jug. And so the fat would rise to the surface and then... You, it would pour from the underneath the fat so that you get all the meat residues, but none of the fat. Then what I would do is add the apple juice and orange juice, bring that to a boil in, in the um, baking pan itself, and then add a little arrowroot uh, mixed up into a little cream and pour that into that immediately. It, it it goes from liquid to this marvelous, glossy, beautiful, dark brown, orangey sauce, which is so fruit-infused. And you can do that with beef. You can do that with turkey, with chicken. Anything that you roast, you can use that apple and orange juice concept. Mm -hmm. with that. And it doesn't have to be our root. It could be cornstarch, but cornstarch is not quite as clear as our root is. Right. So, there you go. Any questions? <laughs> yeah. Actually, when you roasted it in the pan, did you put the leg on a rack or did you just keep put it directly in the pan? Um, every, every time that I roast, I always have a, a, a very um, shallow rack mm -hmm. in that to keep the actual meat off the pan itself. And I, I do that because of, of the crustiness, which can be right underneath the sort of roast itself and the direct conductive heat um, can sometimes overcook that underneath part. Right. But by keeping airflow around it, you keep it in, in, in a good, good um, exposure to the common heat, common heat for the whole thing. Yeah, I like to do yeah. that, especially when I'm... Um... 
if I'm using the oven, that's fine. But if I'm using one of my smokers or barbecues or something, I'll put it in a sh- one of those disposable shallow aluminum pans. And I've got a rack that goes up about, I'm guessing, maybe an inch, inch and a half. Yes. And, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I roast it on there. And then, you know, you don't have it stuck to the bottom. You don't get, like you said, you don't get any overcooked or burnt parts, um, you know. Yeah like that and it seems to work out really well i think that's right yeah i think a good air circulation and i rather like the modern convection ovens for that same reason yes um good hot air blown consistently i tend to i tend to roast most things at 350 Mm -hmm. um and I, 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 there's, there's a good classic, you know, statement, which is um, put 425 or 450 uh, to begin with uh, to seal the outside and, and develop that crust um, and then reduce the temperature afterwards. But quite honestly, I, and over the years, I found that 350, 325, 350, um, it's a good, good temperature. It seems to invade the meat all the way through the, to the degree that I want. And um, it's, um, yeah. Well, no, it, it works really well that way because I'll tell you, I've had, especially, I don't know about all the recipes about lamb. I'm more familiar with beef, of course, but, you know, yeah. um the ones people come in and say, okay, you put it in the oven at 500 degrees for 25 minutes, and then you turn your oven off and leave it for three hours. And, or they'll say, like you just suggested, you know, put it in at 450 for 30 minutes, and then you drop it back down. Um, I'm kind of a guy, I guess I'm lazy, but I like, okay, 350, I'll come back in a couple hours and check the temperature and we're good. <laughs> so I, I, no, it's, do you know, I'm, whenever you go over 350, then you start evaporating the moisture in whatever cut of meat that you're using. Right. So if, if you really want to steam off um, um, flesh content, then go for it. But not for me. I'm a Scot. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get as much of it as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with you though. It's, it's, um, to me, there seems to be a trend that, and I'm not big on trends. I'm sorry, folks, but I'm just okay. not. But, um, there seems to be a trend of making cooking, especially large pieces of meat, whether it's lamb or pork or beef, or whatever making it more difficult by doing these temperature adjustments and fussing around with it, you know, season it well, what you like, uh, put it in a shallow pan with a rack and do that. Let the heat circulate around it. Um, Now, whether you do conventional or convection or you're roasting it in a smoker, that's your choice. And they're all good options to choose. But I like to keep things simple because I think some people Get fearful, Graham, when you start messing around with, okay, this is 25 minutes, and then I got to come back, and then I got to do this, and I got to do that, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I guess in the end, my friend, is that um, after generations, and and literally we've had 20 plus years now 
of people cooking on television, um, and, you know, with me starting back in 1960. Um, and it's almost as if the new brigade of cooks um, feel like they have to add something. Right. And and so if it's a, a minute adjustment or a tittle here and there, then that becomes a method. We're going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. We're going to be back with the galloping gourmet himself, my dear friend Graham Carey, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Networks. Uh, we hope you all had a terrific Thanksgiving, and now we're heading into Christmas, especially with everything that's going on with COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we will get through it, and if you listen to Graham today, you will have a marvelous Christmas meal. I promise it. Um, real quickly, if you want to contact us, it's uh, you can go to barbecuenationjt.com. There's a link there that you can send us an inquiry. Or if you want to send it directly to me, it's info at thecowboycook.com. We also have Facebook, Twitter, a million other platforms. So um, you don't need to hear that because I say it all the time. But we're talking with Graham Kerr, the Galpin Gourmet here. Um, when, you, when you left the South Seas, so to speak, and you went to England, did your tastes change for the holidays or were more traditional things changed for you come Christmas? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was in England first and then went to New Zealand then and then back up again to the Northern Hemisphere. So, of course, the first thing that changes at Christmas is the temperature. It's <laughs> midsummer in New Zealand. Right. Um, and so that, that changes the, the, the kind of food that you can have down there. And since we're up here, you know, like, um, it was a relief to be able to get back. Well, one of the things that I've found when the weather is colder and agriculture has been, done its thing, we wound up with winter squash, which I, for me, I look forward immensely to October, November, December because of the availability of winter squash, particularly the Hubbard. Um, now, now some of your listeners may not recognize that, that term Hubbard, but let me tell you that, um, dear ones, it's, it's pale blue on the outside, mm -hmm. the Hubbard squash that I'm talking about. And so as such, when you're looking at where the squash are um, mounted up, this butternut and delicata and tubbard and, and turban and all of these others, but in the midst of that, you may find a pale blue one. Grab it and run with it. <laughs> chuck it into your basket. Don't run with it. Chuck it into your basket and check it out. And take it outside to where you chop wood, if that's where, if you have a place like that. Put a clean axe into it. <laughs> You're really not going to be able to cut this thing up with a with a, a, re a regular kitchen knife. Um, I've got a big, heavy kitchen knife which i can use yeah um, but otherwise i i do think that that a good handy axe will get it <laughs> get it get it chopped up into some reasonable pieces then it's just simply 
sprayed with a little olive oil and a little salt and pepper and put into an oven, again, um, 350 to 400 in this case, and about an hour. And it will be absolutely soft and creamy, and the skin will have been made edible. Yeah, you can even eat the skin. And... (laughs) And you've got this caramelization of the sweetness of that Hubbard that takes place. It's dark, brown, crispy, golden glossiness. It's just wonderful. You can turn it a couple of times during the roasting process. Now, if you take that out and then you can serve that and as a side dish, you know, as uh-huh. but you can take that if you do the whole Hubbard and scrape it all out, all the flesh. And it's so smooth, you don't need to blend it. But then I get a good family size um, um, carton of hummus, you know, the, sure. the original hummus. That's chickpea and tamari and uh, you know, a, right. a little garlic in it and that sort of thing. It's really, you can make your own if you want to, but it's so good nowadays that they, people make it. So I take a carton of that and then mix that about one third hummus and two thirds the Hubbard squash and and mix that up together and creams up together beautifully. This is the dip of sensational dip for the for the holiday business, especially if you like hot peppers, finely chopped some jalapeno and put that in, Mm -hmm. that provides some green. Put some chopped parsley, in fresh parsley, in it anyway for the green, and then finely chop up some sweet red peppers and throw that in too. Now this thing is red and green and smooth and sweet and flat out delicious. All all you're gonna need is a Santa hat on top of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, all you need is a dip for it. And have you seen these new uh, street tacos, they're called? Um, it's about, it's a small ta- um, uh, tortilla, if you will, yeah. called, um, and about six inches across. Um, so I take those, and there is one which is sweetened. It has pineapple juice in it. Mm. Um, and so you have to look for the one which is sweetened, but and it's only just sweetened. Don't, don't be bothered about it. It's just deliciously sweetened put a knife through that twice so that you make quarters out of it now those i lay on a microwave you know the the, the rotating sort of glass base sure. of the microwave but let's assume that people have that and i lay them all the way around the outside um of that um and just the rounded part of the tortilla to the to the outside and the sharp point towards the inside. But it must be on the outside. Then I cook that at high power for two minutes. And after two minutes, um, they, they crisp. And so I turn them from there into a sieve and let them dry out a little bit. And then put them into um, in, into a, a storage container. Sure. Um, they're, they're perfectly dry. Now, those make the greatest chip scoops. Oh, and yeah. You could say, Graham, why go to all that trouble when you just buy a packet of tortilla? Of course, you can do that. But these are amazingly delicious. 
that sweet caramelization that you get from that. And they seem to be absolutely perfectly cooked at two minutes in a microwave. I didn't know that, honestly. I've never tried that. I will try that tonight, actually, when I get home. Good. And uh, it, spread them all, all the way around the outside, because if you put them in the middle, they'll char. Yeah. But, yeah. And you have to put enough of them so that you make a complete circle. If you have less than the complete circle, then they can also overcook. But there's just enough of them on the regular microwave turntable to be able to be perfectly done. We're going to take another break here on Barbecue Nation and be back with Graham and me and the whole world out there right after these messages. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Networks. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Check them out on PaintedHillsBeef.com. Uh, that is beef the way nature intended. And the folks at Gunter Wilhelm Knives for good balance, efficiency in your kitchen. I recommend you try Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Talking with Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet here. You know, I think one of the things, Graham, that that people tend to uh, have when they're having especially a traditional dinner, whatever their version of a traditional Christmas dinner is. And mine has varied. Uh, off and on over the years i've added things taken things off the menu i'm sure you have too and doing that absolutely but yeah. but you know sometimes there's one side dish that that is just going to be there forever um yeah like like at, at my house on thanksgiving it's got to be the stuffing you know, people will eat the stuffing. They might only eat absolutely two ounces of turkey, but they'll eat a lot of the stuffing. You know, at, at Christmas, <laughs> uh, if if I'm doing a rib roast, it's the twice baked potatoes that I make. I have to make this is no kidding. I have to make four uh, hotel pans. You know what they are? Hotel trays. Yes, yes. Because it's, you know, they've been sliced in half and the meat's been taken out and it's been mixed up with bacon and cheese and sour cream and butter and all this stuff. And that's repacked and more cheese and space. I make four trays of those. Oh, dear. Every God. Christmas because <laughs> when they, people are like, okay, thank you for dinner. Um, can I take a few of those potatoes home? You know? And there's literally yes. been times when I have made, like, you can get about a dozen of them, maybe 14 of those potato halves because I use the big number one bakers. And yeah. so and you so what's the math there? You've made almost 80 potato halves by the time you're done. I have ended up with only four left <laughs> because I happen to like them too, and so does my wife, but we you know, they don't do it. Do you have a side dish that like with your lamb or if you're doing a ham or something that you constantly put on there because it's a favorite of everybody's? Yes, I do. And um, <laughs> how nice of you to ask. <laughs> because what you are doing with those absolutely stunning potatoes, and I can taste them now, <laughs> you have a way of describing food 
Jeff, which is somewhat akin to mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate about it. You, you could, I can see that. I'm also aware that we Americans, forgive my accent, but I am a citizen. Yes. Um, and have a tendency to put on five pounds between Thanksgiving and the New Year. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. And and then and, um, your 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 potatoes would be a marvelous. Um, could, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so I am really interested in black rice uh-huh. nowadays. It, it's it, it's not anything to do with Black Lives Matter. No, anything, no. But it but it is it is extraordinarily different on the plate. And a fresh pineapple, very finely chopped, maybe a little jalapeno as well. And this black rice. Now I'm just running for my um, for my wardrobe uh, here. Here we go. Um, I just got into my pantry, so as I could tell you, it's Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, black uh, japonica rice, they call it. Uh And, um, you know, the package instructions are perfect for it. And I brew up one whole packet, and I make for myself 15 portions of rice, of black rice from that put those in individual little, um, you know, um, Ziploc bags, roll it up and, and keep that in the deep freeze so that uh, I only have to microwave that package for one minute. Sure. And then tip that on top of stir-fried vegetables. Now, I'm not making my own stir. I don't chop my own vegetables anymore. I go to Costco and I buy their five pound bag of stir fried vegetables. They, I think it's about $8. Um, it, it, it works out at about 90 cents a serving for me. Mm-hmm. And do you know, I cannot beat that price by going and buying individual vegetables and peeling them and chopping them and doing everything oh, else that no, I have to do. No. I, I can take a portion of those out, throw it in a little olive oil in the pan, and just simply toss those together, put the microwaved um, black rice over the top, and I've got, can you imagine the colors? Oh, yeah. The aroma coming from that. Herbs of Provence and a little scattering of, 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 I never thought I would be saying this publicly, of of garlic chips, chipped up, dried, and freeze-dried garlic. I've now found a way of being able to do that at the same time as the stir fry, stirring in this black rice at the same time. And my goodness, man, it is so colorful and aromatic. It's just beautiful. And um, so I found a smoke, a smoky uh, barbecue sauce, um, and that I don't have the name of at the moment, but... I just put a few dabs of that in it and stir it in together, and that's my side dish. Oh, it sounds that's delightful. all the vegetables and the starch at the same time. It provides everything just out of one pan. Oh, that sounds delightful. It really does. Um, and I know we have a lot of Costco's around the country for different cities where people are listening to this show. So, <clears throat> excuse me, take heed, folks. Um <laughs> 
you know. I'm not paid by Costco, by the way. No, no. <laughs> that's too too bad you're not. But I'm, that's, not, I'm not paid by I'm not paid by you. Actually, do you know the only perk that I get through talking about food in public? Is, Come on, and you you know the answer to this. It's get, Huckleberry Jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. It's it's my only fringe benefit. I and I'm out of it. Jeffrey. Okay, okay, I'm out of it. Okay, I got I got the message. I got the memo. I've, and I will tell you this: yesterday I stopped. Um, I uh, I live about thirty five miles from the studio, and I take the back roads home. And I stopped in a little town at this delightful store that has a great bakery uh, in it. So I always stop there and pick up something to take home. Um, and they carry that particular brand of your Huckleberry jams that you like. Um, and they had some, cause I was thinking about you yesterday, of course, being on the show today, going to record the show and all that. And I thought, and I walked down that aisle and I thought, all right, next week I got to pick that up for, for Graham and get that to him for Christmas. Can I, can I, can I remind your listeners of the little story that I have about that? Sure. Okay. Um, I, um, my, my wife, Trina, whom I met at 10 at school and we fell in love, you know, before hormones and, um, and married and then had 60 years of great relationship and she died and it happens. And, um, so, uh, I'm sitting at my breakfast table, missing her like crazy and actually crying because of that. I was, I was you know, in oh, the sure. midst of grief. Yeah. And I felt the front door fling open. Of course, you know, I've got a vivid imagination. This is, <laughs> this is, this, <laughs> just, just stay with me. I banged open and in rushes God with a five gallon paint pot filled with huckleberry jam. <laughs> and um, he comes up to the table and he whacks this jam onto my placemat where I've been crying and massages it in. And I'm saying to God, what, what are you doing? This is so messy. And God is saying to me, I'm seeing you enter into the possibility of self-pity. And self-pity is a really poor idea. And what I just did was I smothered your self-pity with huckleberry jam. I said, well, how does that work? He said, well, the other day I heard you say that you had tasted huckleberry jam for the first time. And you were so grateful to, <laughs> yeah. to this person for introducing you to this. You say, I never have felt so grateful in all my life. And I heard you say that. So I've used Huckleberry Jam to remind you to be grateful because you <laughs> had 60 amazing years with that woman. And therefore, you should be grateful, not self-pity. There you go. Oh, my dear friend. And that's why when I put a little huckleberry jam on my toast and I look back at 60 years of being in love with a wonderful woman and I, I smile and bite into that toast and it makes my day. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> well, be checking your mailbox here in a week or two, Graham. I'll, 
That well, you know, I feel almost embarrassed to be able to put you in a corner like that. But, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I so enjoy our chats together. My well, friend. absolutely, absolutely. And I will tell people that years ago I sent Grandma uh, a Christmas box, if you will. And it, it was right after Trina had passed away, just a very short time. And Yes, um, yes. And, and I sent you some mead. Some of it was, um, I, I had a wine um, distributor that was working with me at the time, and I sent you a couple of sure, bottle, yes, bottles of very good. mead, yep. and I, I sent you a couple different varieties, but you really honed in on the huckleberry, so it's a tradition now. <laughs> it's a ca- cowboy yeah. cook in the galloping gourmet <laughs> tradition, and uh, it will continue on that. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no problem at all. We're going to come back and wrap up the show with the galloping gourmet himself, Graham Kerr, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun uh, Radio Networks, and uh, we'd like to thank you all for being with us today. Uh, Coming up in the next hour, we've got Spencer Deathly from um, California. And uh, for those of you who didn't hear it, he's a man who invented the almond bark pellets uh, for your cookers. So we'll be doing that, uh, talking to Spencer here. But first, we're going to get back and talk to my buddy Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet. Um, Desserts. Uh, We've kind of taken this in segments through this whole show, but holiday desserts. We have some standards. Um, you know, pumpkin pie, uh, pecan pie, um, you know, those are kind of, of, of standards around the holidays. There's also different cakes and, and what have you that people in their own families consider traditional. What is yours? Okay. Mine is called a strawberry mincemeat pie. Ooh. And uh, so you, you get uh, the ordinary baked blind um, pastry crust. You can buy those in the store if you want to. Um, this makes it very simple. But other, uh, if you have a wonderful short pie crust that you do yourself, then yeah. by all means do that. And then you bake it, and you bake it blind, if you will. So you know, sheet of greaseproof paper and some beans or something right. to be able to keep the pastry in place. Um, when that's cooked, you bring it out and you buy Huntley and Palmer's mincemeat. It's important that mincemeat. Um, it's got a little suet in it, um, so it's, it, it's not a vegan product in any way. It's got lots of fruit in it. And that mincemeat is spread out into the bottom um, of the pie crust. Um, and it's, it's fully cooked at that stage, but I like to give it about 10 minutes at 300 mm-hmm. um, to be able to let it sort of settle into the crust um, and, and hot. So it, 
you, you put it a depth of about three quarters of an inch, half an inch to three quarters of an inch of the of the pie filling, if you will. And um, now, when it's cool, you then um, uh, get some whipped cream and whip that cream really solid so that it's almost, you know, going to butter. Um, and spread that over the top of the mincemeat. And now taking um, those good old Californian amazing strawberries <laughs> that we get at Christmas time. Oh, sure. Cut, the, cut those in half and put them sunny side up, you know, the round side up, and, and in, in circles into the middle so that the entire pie is covered in, in, the, in, the, uh, in strawberries. And then you do a really odd thing. If you've got a pepper mill, and black peppercorns. If if you don't, then then ordinary black pepper can do it, but not as well. Then you very very lightly grind that black pepper over the top of the strawberries. Right. Yeah. Now that might sound ridiculous, other than the fact that when you eat a strawberry which has been very lightly garnished with hot with black pepper. It's just an amazing increase experience of the strawberry itself. You don't really, you don't sense the pepper. You just, it's just enhances the strawberry. Um, So then you cut that slice. And imagine when you cut that slice, you've got the perfect red on the top, the absolute white of of the whipped cream, and then the dark, almost black nature of the various dried fruits which are, and sugars, you know, which are that base sure. of the crust itself. Do you, that is a really good-looking Christmas dessert at the same time. Do you put the pepper directly on the strawberries or on top of the whipped yes. cream? Okay. Right right on top of the strawberries. All yes. right. I want um, to... And don't, don't, don't overdo it. You know, we don't want... <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it is very light, but it's just amazing the difference. Huh. That's very interesting. I want to try that too because um, I I make a this is a side dish. Back to that just very careful for a minute here. People call it an ambrosia salad, but it's really not. We in my family we always called it a yum yum salad, and this is an old recipe which <laughs> I've I've modified a bit. But you chop some cabbage, you take two packages of green Jello. And you get your hot water in there, and then you take a couple of cups of um, miniature marshmallows. But the okay. but the thing is, you get the water very very hot; it's boiling, and you put the amount of water in there, and then I mix it with a hand mixer or uh, my immersion blender, and so the yes. the marshmallows kind of dissolve, and you've got this kind of yep. green lime almost looks like sludge down there. But you've got to let yes. it sit a little bit and start to set in the fridge and then you take a, um, like two cups of very finely chopped cabbage uh, some mayonnaise um, some some whipped cream and some pineapple and you mix that all in and then you put some um, shaved almonds in there sliced shaved Whoa. almonds and yep. mix that I can taste it. yeah yep. and it's yep. it's quite it's quite good between the you know the mayonnaise and the cabbage, along with the sweet from the Jello and all that, and uh, um, that's another one of those things that when they go home, 
the dollar store Tupperware that I've bought is usually filled up with a lot of the yum yum salad. So, and I garnish it with some cherries and some more almonds and stuff, but it's quite good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You've got everything in there but the kitchen sink. That is, uh, I, ca- I can taste it. And um, how interesting that you put the cabbage in juxtaposition to the pineapple yeah. and the marshmallows. I can, I can, you know, instead of the marshmallows, would you try something, uh, uh, just a quick switch? Just, sure. Just, uh, just see, um, are you aware of, of the Nestle company does a creamer, um, which hazelnut creamer? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So try uh, drizzling in the hazelnut creamer um, instead of the marshmallows. I could do that. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. my, yeah. my wife um, uses it in I her am, coffee. I, yeah, I use it in mine, and I have friends of mine who turn up their nose at me because I use it. Oh gosh! And I am so I'm so settled in in this hazelnut cream. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's just a, it's just a personal confession at Christmas time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Graham, I yeah, hope I hope I you have a delightful. Uh, delightful Christmas coming up. And I know we'll be talking before that, but, and I want to thank you for sharing all your, your wisdom and your humor again here on barbecue nation. It means so much to me. I'm delighted. It's just, a, it's an annual thing for me. Like you watching the Creek go by. I, I like having a, um, an hour with you. There you go. There you go. Uh, we'll be back next week. Don't forget, we got Spencer Deftly coming up in the next hour. If you're on the uh, stations that carry them and tell them for Graham Kerr and myself, uh, we'd like everybody to remember one thing. Please turn it. Don't burn it. Enjoy yourselves and be kind. We'll see you next week. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.